Tonight we'll be in Revelation chapter 10. If you have your Bible, I'm going to bring this closer so hopefully you can hear me a little better. Revelation chapter 10. It's the back of the book if you forgot where it was. Oh, that's okay. It's just the HDMI. It'll come back. All right. So Revelation, uh, this, as I've been going through Revelation, this uh, message series is called The Time is Near, The Time is Near. And I think we'd all agree that the time is nearer now today than it was when Jesus was on the earth. It's nearer now today than it was when uh, the Apostle John was on the island of Patmos. Uh, again, you know, we have no idea when the Lord will come back exactly. We can know the time and the hour and the season perhaps, but no one knows the, the exact minute. Um, and don't believe those guys who would sell you a book otherwise, <laughs> but I'm going to turn this TV down a little bit. The title of tonight's message is the seven thunders, the seven thunders. And when I was reading it this morning, uh, I wanted to call it no more delay. So seven thunders subtitle of no more delay, but, uh, we know John, uh, the apostle was on the island of Patmos that he was there for his crime of being a good Christian, and that uh, while there on the Lord's Day, he was worshiping and he saw Jesus revealed in glory. Remember that revelation when he was praying and he heard the voice behind him and turned around. Uh, I think uh, I probably would have died that moment seeing what he saw. Uh, but he talks about the end of the world as we know it. We know the great tribulation period, the seven years uh, when you know all hell really or all heaven breaks loose on earth that is bent towards hell. Uh, judgment of the nations, and really those who follow Satan. Uh, that this is, not, um, this is not God being spiteful, that this is God's righteous wrath being poured out on those who have rejected his son. That, you know, if, if Jesus took our judgment, Jesus took the penalty for our sin, well, what's left for us if we reject that? Well, of course, nothing but that judgment. Um, and it's on the nations who, and those who follow Satan in this time. Uh, but I believe that it's truly a last-ditch effort of God to get the world to repent. That, as we've said before, as the Bible says, that God wishes that no man would perish. That nobody would go to hell. That hell wasn't designed for people. It was designed for fallen angels. And God does not want anyone to go through that kind of torment. He loves us. Uh, but again, as bad as this time will be, as bad as it is, you might even think right now, Hell is far worse. That this tribulation, God is in a sense merciful. He gives people seven years to further repent. Uh, if they're able to, again, we know if they've taken the mark, uh, they're beyond that point. But hell is forever, that this is for seven years. Uh, previously in Revelation, where the, the first four seals were broken, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as I'm sure we're familiar with, at least from pop culture. Uh, the fifth seal, martyrs in heaven, martyrs who were slain, asking God when time would be up, and they were given a white robe. The sixth seal was broken, signs in heaven, the sky, there was an earthquake, the sun turns like sackcloth, the moon like blood, the stars of heaven fall, uh, pretty uh, powerful stuff. Uh, the other night, uh, I was tucking Jacob and Timmy into bed, and I just looked out the window, and all of a sudden I saw a shooting star, and you know, it's a little window like this, and a little bit, and uh, I, I love seeing that stuff, but I don't know that I want to be around for when uh, these stars fall from heaven. But it's interesting that we see several times here, but that everyone hides uh, but they don't repent. Uh, and here they cry out for the mountains to fall on them, but death doesn't save them. Uh, and later we saw in last chapter that uh, they just didn't repent. 
despite more things going on, people don't repent. I think, um, you know, grace is good and mercy is good. Um, and, you know, it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. But sometimes God has to bring that spanking into our lives, that judgment. Um, and it's it's even worse when we don't repent of that. It's one thing when we're sorry when, when someone's nice to us. But, man, uh, this is different. You know, I, th- I think, again, that, that reveals, that revelation reveals Jesus, but it also reveals the heart of man, that man is desperately wicked, that despite all this going on, people refuse to say, nope, I'm wrong. Nope, they still continue pointing the finger at God. Seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for a half an hour, and that's quite a thing to think about. Uh, trumpets, uh, we've seen six of them so far. This chapter and the next chapter are sort of a break and in interim from uh, the trumpets, and the commentary mentions that perhaps that's more time for people to repent. Uh, But the first one was hail and fire mixed with blood. The second one was a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea. Uh, The third was a great star falling from heaven uh, called Wormwood or Bitterness. I remember hearing back in the day that perhaps Chernobyl and and Russian meant bitterness, an interesting connotation there. Uh, But the fourth trumpet, a third of the sun, moon, and the stars were dim. The fifth a star fall, fallen from heaven. Uh, the key uh, was given to him. The pit opened. Uh, those locusts came out that we saw. Uh, their king was named Destroyer. And we know that real locusts don't have a leader. Uh, but what, something interesting was said that one woe is past and still two is more. Man, if this is one woe, I don't want two more uh, of any of this. We saw in the last one uh, that four angels were released from the Euphrates. That these angels were bound there for all of history. And released at this time, and their purpose, their desire, their mission was to kill a third of mankind. A third of mankind. Um, and they uh, apparently did that with an, an army of 200 million horsemen, the fire, smoke, and brimstone. Again, we see these physical things going on, spiritual things going on. The veil is really torn, I believe, during Revelation, during the tribulation, where we're seeing physical things happen. Like we see physical things happen now. We know from what the Bible says that there's spiritual powers behind it. It's not a conspiracy. We're in a, a, a spiritual war and it's raging. And we see that. We see that, uh, you know, remember when Daniel prayed and he didn't get the answer for a few weeks. It's because the messenger angel was held up by the prince of Persia. That there's these angels that have powers and districts over the earth. And, and man, I, I know that there's a serious demonic force in Washington, D.C. right now. But the my point being is that Man, that this stuff goes on. And I think in Revelation, the veil is going to be torn. And if maybe, I don't know if the people, like we talked about when they were tormented for that time uh, and they couldn't die, if they, if they knew what was going on, if they could see it or not. But I have a sense that, that the spiritual is going to be very visible during this time. Um, and I think uh, it's not hard to deduce that or, or to surmise that from this area of Scripture. Again, you know, I don't know. I'm not there and I don't want to be there. But that's my guess from what I read. But they still did not repent. That this army went out, and people just continue to not repent. And we see that in America. Our nation just refuses to repent no matter what happens. Um, I think, thankfully, there's some people who are kind of really aware of what's going on, but there's others who just kind of double down. You know, we've seen this uh, the Supreme Court hearing the uh, Roe vs. Wade challenge from Mississippi and I think 12 other states. Uh, you know, they're not going to hear on it until June or decide on it until June. But there's people outside the, the courthouse literally protesting and taking abortion pills right there. Um, you know, if that doesn't show the, the spiritual state of our land, I don't know. I know that there's others there who aren't. And there's a clear divide in our country, in our world, really, this day. We know if you look around just the events of the world, we see the whole world is under the sway 
of the wicked one. And uh, it's clear and clear every day that they're uh, getting ready for one guy to come take over and try and usher in some wonderful, uh, great reset of a utopia. But I just want to read to you a couple verses uh, that I read this week before we get into uh, chapter 10. I'm going to hold it up because I'm kind of like slouched over here. This ain't too comfortable. Uh, it says, Micah, this is from the, the modern English version, which is a take on the King James. Um, and I just, I've been reading lately and I love it. But Micah 2, 6 and 7 says, Do not prophesy, they say. One should not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. Should it be said, O house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words benefit him who walks uprightly? We know that there's a blessing for those who read Revelation. We know that many won't read Revelation for one reason or another. But what I take away from this is how often we blame God for the effects and results of sin in the world. How many times people blame God? Well, how could there be a loving God if there's sick children? Or if this happened in my life? Or these bad things happen on earth? Well, it's not God's fault. And that's the same thing with Revelation. It's not God's fault that these things are happening. Yes, they're, God is allowing them, and even in Revelation, dictating that they should happen. But they're a result of sin. They're the effect of sin. The wages of sin is death. Psalm 88, uh, 9b through 13 says, Lord, I call daily upon you. And I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead rise up and praise you, Selah? I feel like the psalmist wrote that and realized, yeah, the dead will raise up and praise him. But shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Interesting, given the, what we read about the pit a few weeks ago. Shall your wonders be known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto you have I cried, O Lord, in the morning my prayer comes before you. You know, about in that pit and the, and the destroyer. But I think it's interesting. Uh, shall your righteousness and wonders be known in a land of forgetfulness? And I think our land has become a land of forgetfulness, uh, willful forgetfulness of, of God's goodness. Psalm ninety thirteen says, Return, O Lord, how long? Have mercy on your servants. And Lord, we do long for you to return soon. God, please come soon, even before uh, the end of this message, as I'm sure the hearers would cry for. God, we love you and we trust you and ask for your goodness. And God, we don't forget. Help us never forget. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so Revelation chapter 10. Let's read the first three verses here together. And John says, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. And at this moment, seven toddlers uttered their voices. Uh, but we see another mighty angel comes down. Now John is getting a real witness of the powers that be in heaven. That there's these angels, again, that have these roles, at least in this position of time uh, for revelation. But he comes out of heaven. This, this isn't a fallen angel like we saw previously. But this angel, the description is, is very interesting. It says that he's clothed with a cloud and a rainbow. That he's got a cloud over his body, so to speak. A rainbow about his head, maybe sort of like... Um, uh, what do you call it, a halo. Um, and this isn't, uh, you know, uh, this rainbow is, is God's rainbow. It's a good rainbow. His face is bright like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. I, I think in, as you read it, it kind of looks like a storm cloud before and after. You've got this picture of both a rain cloud. 
you've got the sun shining, you've got a rainbow, you know, as the sun shines through rain uh, from a certain angle, you get a rainbow. We get uh, to the east, we get some amazing rainbows that kind of go across the whole, uh, you know, you can see both ends of them. Uh, but he also looks like a storm cloud. He's got feet like pillars of fire, uh, you know, fire coming down out of, out of heaven, uh, perhaps lightning-ish. I mean, you know, Revelation is kind of clear when they speak about lightning. But I just get this picture, you know, almost comical picture of a little angel in a little storm cloud with lightning bolts and fire and rain and a rainbow, and he just kind of comes out of heaven. But this guy is, is no comic. He is, he is uh, an important messenger, and he's got authority. Um, and of course, the, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear rainbow is Noah and the flood. That the first and worst storm that the earth ever saw, God wrapped it up with a rainbow. He said, what? I am never going to judge the earth with a flood again. I mean, despite what the, 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 the global warming authorities would tell you, uh, we're not going to have another global flood again. And God will never judge the world like that. And I think it's interesting that this angel with this, with this picture, with this symbology comes out um, during this time of great judgment. In fact, uh, in, a, in an interim, in a rest, in a musical rest, so to speak, between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, there's this note of rest, and this angel, this messenger angel, comes out here. Um, and I, I, I just find that interesting that God would try and remind people that his will is not for judgment. Uh, but this angel is a messenger of the thunders, that he comes out of the direct presence of God. And um, you know, I was trying to look it up, make sure I was right and everything. Uh, who knows? But the commentary mentions some people believe that this is Jesus. I don't necessarily believe that it's Jesus, although the, the imagery is a little bit similar there to some others. Uh, the commentary mentions that, uh, I think it's in Daniel, talks about there's Michael the archangel looks similar to this. Um, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I believe it's just a, another angel, another messenger. I don't believe that it's actually Jesus here. Um, but what he is, is he is a messenger of the voice of God, that the seven thunders um, uh, are likely the very voice of God. Um, but he has another little book in his hand, and we see that in a lot of Revelation, that there's books open, there's scrolls opened, that heaven has a record of many things that go on. And that can either be very comforting, very encouraging, or very scary at the same time. Uh, you know, this is Christmas season, and what is it, Santa Claus is watching. <laughs> He's got a, you know, he knows who's been naughty and who's been nice. And heaven knows who's been naughty and who's been nice. Heaven knows the things that we think about. Heaven knows the things that we do. But at the same time, as believers, you and I, heaven knows the things that we've done in the Lord and for the Lord. And thankfully, that's the only record it keeps of us. When we get there, I'm glad that there's going to be millions and millions of pages of my life that are not going to be in the book that God's going to open up. But, but this angel has a book here. Uh, I don't know what's in that little book. I don't know what's said there, and I'm not going to try and guess because uh, I know I would get it wrong, and that would end up in the book in heaven. <laughs> um, but they have, uh, I don't know if there's, if they have an affinity for pamphlets or bulletins in heaven, but that there really are records, you know, that the things we say and do are important. When we mention Jesus' name, God takes notice. Uh, but this angel, it's interesting that he puts his foot on the sea and on the land. And again, that's similar to when the Lord comes back. Uh, but this angel shows that, th that God in heaven and this angel, in effect, uh, perhaps with God's hand on him, has authority over everything. And I think that's interesting because storms have the same effect. A storm can have a, a, a horrific effect on the ocean, uh, at least on surface vessels underneath. They don't really feel the effects too much from what I understand. Uh, but I would not want to be on the open ocean. I, you know, we just had Thanksgiving and uh, my kids that were studying uh, about the 
the pilgrims and we watched a few messages about it and i man you know it's one thing to drive across the country or travel around the world nowadays but i can't imagine getting in a rickety wooden boat for months going across the open north atlantic uh sounds uh i i guess the what we could take away from that is that doing that is far less scary than living under tyranny uh but i'll leave it at that but just like a storm wreaks havoc over both land and water uh, we'll see uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and, you know, a hurricane will build up over the ocean and gather all strength from the water and come on land and, and dump it on the land. Uh, that There's authority there and this angel has that. And as he begins to cry out, he cries out with a loud voice like a lion. And I can remember going to a zoo and, and hearing lions roars and there's just something very guttural about it. Something uh, very authoritative about it and loud. You know, I, I we were watching some nature nature shows too and you know, we live in Montana and we have bears and elk and moose and things of that nature. But I, when I when I go out anywhere, I'm not really uh, afraid of like a roving pack of bears, right? Like maybe there might be one bear on the trail. But you look at in Africa or in the, uh, the, uh, the grasslands there, there's packs of these wild animals. There's something so wild about it. I don't I don't know that I'd want to live there for that reason. I mean, it might be nice weather, but I I, I can't imagine living in a place with wild animals like that because when they roar, when you hear it, there's just this unbridled authority. There's a lion out in the middle of open and you're going to take notice when it, when it speaks. And, and that's the same here with this angel. He speaks immediately. Heaven and earth are supposed to take notice. Uh, there's this deep sound and also the seven thunders speak. He's almost, he speaks and the seven thunders speak at the same time. So the seven thunders are either following his lead or, um, or be, if he if you take the view that I'm kind of leaning toward that he's the messenger of the voice of God that as he speaks the seven thunders kind of speak through him. And they cry out. And Psalm twenty nine three uh, talks about the voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory of thunders. And how often we see in Scripture that God's voice is like a mighty thunder. That I mean, you guys in Florida know all too well what thunder's like. Um, and the power and the rumble of it. But these seven thunders, like I said, are likely the very voice of God, that they're uh, perfection. Uh, we've seen the seven spirits of God. Um, and seven thunders, and, you know, if you have another interpretation, I'm, I'm definitely open to it, but that's just where I'm at with this uh, study right here. But that God's voice goes out, and this message, whatever it is, is important. And it's meant for all of earth to hear at this time. Uh, let's go on. Verse 4 says, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I, John, was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, and the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants, the prophets. There's a, there's a lot there. Uh, but the voice of God says something very important. And I think it's interesting that God allows this time between the sixth and seventh trumpet to put out this important message, this important word. Remember, there was a 200 million army, a third of mankind killed. Like we said, uh, nobody repented. Uh, but that God sends a special messenger to be an envoy of his special message. 
that just like before Jesus was born, the message went out. And before Jesus returned, God is sending out another message. Repent. If you're able to, repent. Uh, we watched uh, a thing the other day with former Secretary of State Monk, Mike Pompeo, and he was talking about how he uh, went to North Korea early on in his tenure, I think a couple weeks in. And at that time, there were several Americans being uh, imprisoned. And as they were meeting, uh, he said, you know, the president wants these guys back on the plane with me. And uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, the dictator of uh, Kim Jong-il Kim Jong or Kim Il-sung, I forget which one it is, all the names are confusing. Uh, but he says, is that really what he, is that really what he said? Like, is that what he, and he goes, yeah, this is, this is what he wants. Like, you know, make no bones about it. And I, I think the same thing here. That there's this message, and it's not delivered in a rude way or, or a crass way. It's delivered in a strong way, a thundering way. That this is the word and the voice of God. You know, if my kids are misbehaving while I'm working and I have to go upstairs and deal with it, there's the, <laughs> the voice of dad that comes thundering. What are you doing? Why are you, you know, whatever it is. But I think it's interesting that John uh, was told by another voice not to say, you know, who told him that? Was it the Lord? Was it another angel? Was it one of the elders? But he, whoever it was, the other heavenly verdict and edict here is that John is not allowed to tell us what was said. Even though the book of Revelation is revealing things that haven't happened from our perspective yet, things that will happen and, and have happened, so to speak, in future past, John's not allowed to tell us this little bit. But despite all that's revealed of heaven, all that's re revealed of Jesus, all that's revealed of the spiritual things that go on behind closed doors, we're not allowed to know this one thing. What the seven thunders voiced right here. And I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 12, 1-5, where Paul says, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know, but God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know uh, such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. I wonder if Paul heard anything similar. Of such a one I will not boast, yet I myself will not boast except in my infirmities. That Paul, you know, I believe that that was Paul. Many people believe that that was Paul. Uh, possibly when he was stoned to death, um, that he saw heaven and heard things in heaven. Obviously, it was John. It was appointed for John to speak the things of Revelation, but even then, he wasn't able to speak this. That there are things of God that, man, that God doesn't allow us to know. That for whatever reason, we're not allowed to know in this lifetime. Maybe it's a personal word for you and I, a reason why we're going through something or why something hasn't been uh, relieved for us or whatever it is, or even just mysteries of God that we just. We can't know. There's no way for us to divine or figure out what was said. And uh, I remember it being said, I think it was Pastor Chuck who said, uh, you know, where the Bible is silent, I'll be silent as well. You know, there's things that we have to take on faith. But perhaps that there's something there that um, I feel like, th obviously there's something there, right? There's something very glorious, very wondrous said there. Um, and I think that a couple of verses later, it gives us a, cl a clue um, but we know that the Bible mentions that uh, when we get to heaven, we're going to know everything. We're going to know as we're known that now we see like through a, a glass darkly, like through a tinted glass on the back of a limo. We can barely see who's inside. But once we're in there, we know who's in there. I think also uh, I couldn't for time, I couldn't find it. Uh, but I know that uh, there's 
areas of scripture that mention people knowing and they might repent and they might turn. And I feel like perhaps something in this message people might misuse or might twist or might take totally out of context because we can't handle it. We're not able to understand it. We're not able to rightly apply it. And it might, I don't know, somehow it would change the course of history and God doesn't allow that for some reason. But whatever the message was, whatever was said, the message comes from the authority, the direct authority of the one who has all authority. The one who created everything. This angel raises his hand and he swears by the one of heaven. He says, the one who created everything. He has created the earth and the heavens and everything underneath it. That this authority of God, he has the power to give and to take away. God has the right to tell us whatever he wants to tell us. He also has the right to not tell us whatever he wants to tell us. There's things that I can share with my kids at their age right now, and there's things I can't share with my kids right now because either they won't understand it uh, or uh, it'll hurt them. It'll damage them. Things that the public schools are teaching are letting kids know and encouraging them to follow are permanently damaging these children because not only should they not know it, not only should they never even come across it, but as a child who's not capable of understanding and handling these things, these wicked things, it's destroying them. That's the same thing with God. I think there's things that, you know, God wants us to be uh, simple concerning evil, but wise concerning good, right? So there's things that he will let us know and will not let us know. And he has the absolute authority to do that. And this angel who has the stormy power and the rainbow and is standing on both the sea and the land uh, is a picture of that. But the Bible says that the, the days of the sounding, that I don't believe that this is just a blip in time, that God blew it, was about to blow a trumpet, he sends out a messenger, and 25 minutes later the messenger's gone. That there's days that this, this proceeding seems to be a, a chunk of time in the tribulation, that it's at least a couple of days. I don't know how long it is. You know, again, it was a silence in heaven for a half an hour, an actual half an hour. You know, how does time work in a, outside the space-time continuum? I don't know. Uh, but it seems to be drawn out. I think that this message was so important that God wanted the world to hear it and to consider it. But what I alluded to a minute ago, I think that the, what God says, what the seven thunders utter, is really kind of revealed here. So it says, the mystery of God would be finished. That's a deep verse. I think we could spend lots of time digging through that. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have much time to, to dig through it in my study, but the mystery of God would be finished. That that's a lot of a lot of it. As Paul goes through the New Testament, it talks about being a believer and being married to God, so to speak. And as we look through all of everything that God would even love us and God cares about us and the fact that the way even God made creation, that all these things are mysteries. And that mystery would be finished. That all things would be known in this moment of time. From what God says, it's almost like the meaning of life, right? Everyone's searching the world for the meaning of life. What is it? Well, they're searching for the mystery of God. I think even in some sense that science is searching out the, the mysteries of God, the physical mysteries of God, the things that we've discovered and these things that have been dug up. I'm talking real science. I'm not talking Fauci is the science. I'm talking real science. When you discover physics and chemistry and biology and just the way things work, and uh, there's all sorts of mysteries there. But for whatever this mystery is, what was said there would have, made, would have laid it plain. Would have made it clear. Um, the commentary uh, talks, uh, David Guzik says that there are secrets in the prophetic scenario, mysteries that should keep our exposition and prediction humble. 
And I think that that's uh, a profound statement to say that as we read Revelation, as we read the Bible, to not stand up there and not think we know everything. Um, how often as we hear, I mean, we visited a church a couple months ago, um, right up the road, and some of the things this guy was saying from the pulpit, I'm like, I don't know that that would have happened. And if it did happen, I don't think you certainly would have talked about it the way you're talking about it. If we look at it, like he was talking about seeing God and all these things, and just his attitude alone about it kind of made me really doubt it. And besides the fact that a lot of it was very heretical, and I took my family and we left. But if we look at the way Paul talks about it, right? He's like, it would be illegal for me to share these things. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament, the guy who is that replacement apostle, uh, uh, says, I can't even talk about these things. The way John even talks about it, like, you know, he was trembling. God had to get him to stand up. He wasn't boasting. And I think as we come in and we interpret the Bible and we let the Lord teach us the Bible and get into it, yeah, you know what? Uh, I've got firm beliefs about the Scripture, uh, but, you know, I, I'm sure I'll be wrong about some of them. I'm sure that when I get to heaven, I'll go, man, Lord, thank you for being gracious for me, for believing that about that. It was so much deeper and so much more beautiful than I ever imagined. Uh, but, man, especially when it comes to the end times and we come and share with other people, um, there needs to be a measure of humility there. Uh, the world is always puffed up about what it knows, we as believers. And uh, it's, I think it's off-putting when we come across as, as puffed up. And um, and I, I don't think that any of us are, but I think it's, it's a good thing to to kind of uh, chew on and think about. Let's go on and read 8 through 11. It says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. I don't know how John said that, but, uh, you know, was it, hey, you know, was he afraid? Hey, give me the little book. Or was it, give me the little book. I don't know. Take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter and it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. At this point, after the uh, angel spoke, the voice spoke, that it was time for John to take this little scroll, take this little book, and like I said, he goes up to this angel, you know, John's seeing the vision in heaven, he's in heaven, but he's also, from our perspective in the future, I believe he's actually there, that these things are actually taking place when John's actually there, and he's been transported through time, so to speak, or around time, to the last days. And he goes up to this angel, who's actually there, actually has his feet on the earth, actually has his feet on the on the sea, and he maybe taps him on the shoulder, <laughs> excuse me? Uh, angel who's got pillars of fire for feet and a sun like face like the sun. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how if I can handle that. But he does, and he says, "Hey, give me the book." Uh, maybe that's all he could get out, uh, you know. Uh, and so the angel gives it to him, and John eats it. And man, uh, talk about you know, it's one thing to eat your own words, but to eat someone else's words, you know, we we're meant to eat God's word. It's spiritual food. We try and teach our kids that man, you know. You need to feed your soul. And they do. They're, I always catch them reading their Bibles at night. Jake's reading the Bible to Timmy out loud. And Mia's reading their Bible. And, you know, in the morning they read them and they watch their super books and everything. Uh, and it's so good because I know that it's going in and it's feeding their spirit. Um, 
And I think in some sense, that's like the word of God here, that this angel's got this message, uh, this prophecy, this revelation that John needs to really kind of take in and, uh, and deal with himself. And I think a lot of times with the word, we can, we can read the word and we can study it and we can even teach it or share it. Um, but there's something different when that word has become personal. When we've uh, read it and eaten it and it's been in our devotions and we've had it uh, stewed over for our whole lives or gone through it, right? There's a, there's a different knowledge to God's word when we've experienced it. It's one thing to say, I know Christ Jesus in, in his sufferings, right? It's another thing to be like Richard Wormbrand and say, I know Jesus Christ through his sufferings, be someone who was in prison for the Lord and beaten for the Lord. There's a, there's a different depth there, I think. Uh, but this angel tells them this can be sweet in your mouth. That when you eat it, mm, it's going to taste so good. And it's going to be candy. It's going to be the best steak you ever had. And uh, and how often is that like with prophecy? At least for me, I love reading prophecy. It's awesome to dig into the stuff and read Daniel and Ezekiel and see little snippets throughout the rest of Scripture. Man, this is cool stuff. This is the stuff that the Lord uh, got me saved with, that brought me to him with with seeing these things in the end times. And and I love it. It's it's uh, it's fantastic. Um uh, it's exciting to get into, to, to be given this window into heaven, given this window into the future that the whole world would love to know if they would just read it, they could see the future. But as we read it, and as we understand it, and as we chew it, and as it goes into our stomachs, physically, spiritually, we begin to realize this, this, this yeah, it's exciting to read, but this is an awful time period that people are, gonna, are beginning to go to hell forever that people are not going to repent, that people are going to hear the word of God and not turn, that people are going to be killed, that mankind has got diseases and a dictator and all sorts of uh, demonic forces on earth, that this is uh, a a time that as believers we should, in one sense, long for the return of the Lord, but in the other sense, man, like, Lord, if there be another way, Lord, would you save people now? Like, to not be so excited, like, hey, you unbeliever, fire and brimstone's coming on you, and I can't wait to see it. You know, there shouldn't be this this sweetness and joy seeing it pronounced on others. That there is this bitterness when we really take it in. That man, sin is awful, and it's even more awful that people are not going to turn from their sin during this time and with this message. Uh, but John's uh, mission is that he again has to prophesy to many about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings that these words are about everybody. They're for everybody. That it's not just an, a Western religion. It's not just for the Jews. It's for everybody on earth, even kings. That these messages are for them to repent. We know Nebuchadnezzar, or one of the Nebuchadnezzars, repented um, in Daniel's time. But that John's work isn't done, that he's got to go back after all this and write it all down and get it out uh, to the world. And he does that. But as we close here, that this message is something that must be preached until Christ's return. That prophecy is not just something that's fun or something that's interesting or something that's a secret message for us as believers, but it's something that needs to be shared with those around us that, man, the, the end is coming. It's what got my attention. I was aware of Revelation in eighth grade from Bible study class. And uh, when I was in my early 20s and after September 11th and saw things going on in the world, God was getting my attention with the things that I had been preached to me out of Revelation. Man, that this is really happening and really coming. And, and Jesus is coming back. So may we be found faithful in that time proclaiming his word uh, until he comes because uh, 
what better to be found doing than, than speaking his words uh, than ours. Amen? Amen. So, God, we thank you for your word. We pray that, God, people would repent and would turn. We thank you for those we know recently have done so. God, I pray for those people I work with that they would uh, repent and that there would be even more opportunity to share with them. And for those that we all work with uh, or, or uh, really are around, maybe on the golf carts, that there would be opportunities to share with them and have them turn that golf cart of their life around and uh, back to you, God. But come soon, we pray. Help us enjoy prophecy, but also uh, have a humble and contrite heart about it. Um, that, man, it is bitter to think the people that you love will be going to hell forever because of their own choice. But, God, we thank you for free will, and we pray that, God, you would tarry just, just long enough that more would be saved. We love you, God. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. Jinx. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first light until the door.